What's up, everybody? This is the Hodgepodge Nothings Podcast, and I am David Korb. Uh, it's been a little while, guys, since I've done a podcast. Been busy with other things going on in my life, and uh, but finally got around to uh, everything that's been going on with the Pirates. Um, last night, um, they ended up winning 4-1. Uh, they split the series with the Brewers. Um, great game. Uh, just Oviedo was just absolutely amazing last night. Uh, his line last night was... Uh, I think his final line was, yeah, seven innings pitched, two hits, zero earned runs, three walks, six Ks. Um, he just now matched Keller's team high, 12 quality starts. Um, Oviedo with a 4.18 ERA. He also surpasses Keller there for the lowest ERA on the team amongst uh, qualified starters for them. Uh, just just Oviedo has been amazing. He really has uh, last, like, three starts. Uh, just been really impressive. Uh, another thing I saw Joe Block put on there was that uh, the most starts with zero or one uh, one runs allowed in the NL. Um, uh, Oviedo now has eleven. Only one to have more than him is Blake Snell for San Diego. Uh, just just really impressive. Um, another thing uh, somebody put on here, uh, Jason Mackey had on Twitter. Uh, Oviedo last six games, two point four zero ERA, um, eight earned runs in thirty innings, uh, eleven walks to twenty four Ks. I mean that's just Wow. Really impressive stuff um, from Oviedo. Uh, and that's basically with this series. I, I was just going to do the good, the bad, and the ugly basically with this series. And uh, the good was what I just said, Oviedo. Uh, the other one was uh, Falter. Um, they had just traded for him. Uh, he was in the uh, Castro trade uh, for Billy Falter. And uh, he did real well uh, this series too. Went four innings, um, one run. Um, another one was uh, Austin Jackson. They acquired beforehand, uh, before the trade deadline, way before the trade deadline. Um, he went three innings, no runs, too, uh, this series when he got to pitch uh, a couple games back. Um, another one was uh, Revis, this uh, Revis guy that they uh, added in the uh, Rich Hill, Joy Man Choi uh, trade. Um, Alfonso Revis, uh, he hit for, almost hit for the cycle that one game. They had a hit in, in last night's game, too. Uh, so he's not supposed to be like this, you know, really, he's just a, a guy to plug in at first base to take the place of Gene Joy and Santana out of their God. Uh, that's all he is, is him and Connor Joe split time there. And that's really it. But I mean, you know, Hey, my guy, he had a hell of a game, a couple games back then had a hit last night. I mean, I don't know. Maybe the pirate made, pirates made some tweaks with him. You never know. Um, Another uh, one of the good was uh, Reynolds. Reynolds, man, you can tell he's healthier. Uh, just the way he's hitting the shit out of the ball, really, and hitting it to all all parts of the field, um, you can just tell he's a lot healthier. Seeing him diving uh, in the alpha, diving for fly balls, um, you can just tell he looks a lot a lot better. He took a ball off the knee uh, a couple games ago. I actually didn't see the third game of the series, um, and. Uh, and uh, but somebody told me that, that he took a ball off the knee pretty 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 bad, but it looks like he's okay. Um, it didn't fade him at all last night. Uh, just just really good to see him healthy uh, and turning it around. I mean, it's just such a drastic difference the way he's hitting now um, compared to uh, towards you know June and July. But uh, good to see uh, Andy. Another one, three hits uh, yesterday. Uh, I think I saw he's already surpassed. Austin Hedges and like 47 plate appearances or at bats uh, with home runs <laughs> leads catchers. It's just so sad. It just it literally just speaks to how bad uh, the 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 um produ- the production at the plate from the catching has been 
uh, before Davis and Andy's call-up. Um, get to the bad. Um, speaking of, of catchers, uh, Henry Davis um, was really struggling. Uh, he was like 0 for, I think I saw 0 for 22 or 0 for 25 before he had his game the other day where he had that, he had that hit to hit off the base, and then he did hit a home run. Uh, but I think he went 0 for last night. So, uh, you know, hopefully he, he starts to turn it around here. I have faith that he will. Um, Hayes, another one. Uh, he had one hit this series. Um, not good. A lot of Ks. Uh, it looked like to me when I was watching Hayes, he got rid of the um, of the uh, little step he was doing. He was doing that step to try to time the ball better. And uh, now it looks like he's not doing that. I'm sorry, the toe tap. He wasn't doing the toe tap. Uh, like he like he started to do whenever they thought they fixed something with him, but I noticed since he's back that they got rid of the toe tap, uh, and maybe he needs to think about going back to it because my guy looks doesn't look good up there, um, not looking good at all. Uh, I noticed they're giving him more days off as well since he's been back um, because of his back. Uh, this is I hope this doesn't be, continue to be an issue with him. Uh, you sign a guy, you know, to to a big contract, well, big contract for the Pirates, I'll say, and it just seems to continue to roar its ugly head with his back injuries. Um, and look, I, I like Hayes. I, he's a hell of a third baseman, uh, probably the best thir- third baseman in the league or top two or three. And I don't, I don't have a problem saying that uh, defensively. Um, but man, I just, I don't know, man. You know, you, you hope that bat. You know, way back when I had Michael McHenry on. You know, I, I said I want my guy hitting, you know, th- bang 300 if you're at least, if you're not going to be a power hitter at third base. And he said they just need to, you know, just hit, you know, have runs batted in, have a lot of RBIs. And that's a great point, and uh, we're not getting it. Um, like I said, he went to the toe tap, and it, it changed everything with him, it seemed like. Um, but now it looks like he's abandoning it. I don't know, from what I watched, it looked like he did at least. I'll pay more attention to it this series um, to see uh, now that I'm not as busy to see if uh, see if he did indeed abandon the toe tap. I'm hoping that he gets healthier though and turns around. Um, another one of the bad uh, Pagaro didn't do good this series. Um, he had a great series last uh, before this, but uh, but yeah, um, this series he did not do that great. Um, I put Priester as one of the bad. I. He went four innings. He only gave up three runs, but three runs and four innings to me is not that great. Um, but he was done so bad before that that uh, he actually lowered his ERA to eight something uh, by by only giving up three runs in four innings. I, I just, to me, you know, just man, I I would like to see this kid get past the third inning and you know be able to get to the fifth, sixth inning without giving up a ton of runs. I did not blame Shelton after the fourth inning, taking him out. He got, you know, he got four innings out without him getting, you know, blown up. Uh, and, and I did not blame Shelton for taking him out in that game. Um, it is technically progress with him this last game he had, but at the same time, it's like, that's really not the standard that we should have uh, with him. But hopefully this series coming up, It'll, but he's facing the Braves, and I'll get to that later on. Um, but yeah, it, hopefully, hopefully this kid can figure it out. Um, the ugly was was Keller. Uh, uh, eight runs against the. I mean, we got tattooed fourteen to one, and but Keller just I don't know what's going on with this guy. Like like he just completely shit the bed. Um, last like twelve starts, it's not been that great. 
uh, he'll be sprinkled in like one good quality start or one good game here and there, but overall it's been bad. He just doesn't look like the pitcher uh, that we saw earlier in the season where he was really fooling a lot of batters. It just seems like he's not fooling them anymore, and they're absolutely annihilating the baseball. And I don't, you know, I don't know if he's catching too much of the plate. I don't think he's tipping his pitches, uh, or maybe he just there's just something teams have noticed that he's doing, and I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's the pitch sequence. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't even know how you can say that even now that I think about it, because now you got Andy up there calling. Uh, I'm also interested to see who catches him this series. I wonder if it will be Andy or Delay. Um, so I'm also interested to see that uh, coming up against the Braves. Um, but I don't know. I, I just it was really ugly this series for uh, for Mitch, and I, I'm hoping he can he can find find something here and turn it around. Um, also ugly Moreta. He gave up three runs uh, in one inning in that game as well. Uh, hadn't been real impressed with Moreta either lately. I, I don't know. It just it's, he's just another one. It just doesn't seem like his his pitches are as effective or he has great control either. Um, I, I hope he's another one that can maybe turn it around because, man, what he was doing in the beginning of the season, uh, April into May, was really good. And then all of a sudden he just lost it. Uh, he lost control is, is what seemed like mostly to me. And then he would have to throw it over the middle of the plate, or he would try to, and they'd tattoo the ball. Um, I'll tell you what, though. Um, this has been really interesting. Uh, you know, since the Pirates actually did call up uh, Andy Rodriguez and – Live here, Pergaro and uh, Priester. Um, they've went nine and nine. They're bat- they're playing five hundred ball. And uh, I know eighteen games is a small sample size, but at the same time, is it? Because on top of that, they haven't lost a series yet. They either split the short series with Detroit or split the the longer series with with Milwaukee, and then all the other ones they've either won the series. And so they. They're actually playing better baseball. I know that you have your ugly losses, like the 14-1 loss against the Brewers. But at the same time, man, I mean, we know they're young. So, you know, we're gonna, you're going to see some bumps and bruises along the way. But, hey, man, this team, it's, it's kind of interesting to me that this team with all these young guys finally up here are now going playing 500 baseball. And that would be really interesting to see them play uh, 500 baseball the rest of the way. That would probably put them somewhere around 70 wins, higher 70s maybe. Uh, so I, I'll tell you what, I, I think it's no coincidence. You know, we get rid of some of these guys that you know didn't, should not be starters on this team like Austin Hedges. Um, and and I, I think it's just very interesting. We add a couple quality at-bats or with potential quality at-bats to this lineup. And uh, look what happened. All right, moving along. Um so Tamar Johnson got promoted to Greensboro. I know this was about six days ago this happened, but I, like I said, I never got a chance to talk about it. Um, yeah, he was he was doing really good uh, down at the FCL Pirates, and, and I'm not surprised that he got moved up to Greensboro. Uh, the guy's been doing really good, hitting the crap out of the baseball. The batting average might not show it, but, I mean, as far as power goes and, and hitting uh, extra base hits and stuff like that, he's been annihilating the baseball, looking like a beautiful, pure-hitting uh, ball player, uh, making great defensive plays as well. Um, so I'm not I'm not really surprised by this. Um, as you've seen, uh, Neil or not Neil <laughs> uh, Ben Charrington's uh, really uh, aggressive with some players. Um, especially it seems like his top tier players, he might be more a little more aggressive. You saw what he did with Henry Davis. Um, so I'm not really surprised to see this already. Um, so I'm excited, man. I would love to see this kid uh, 
get moved up to Double A to start next season. That'd be that'd be awesome. All right, um, I wanted to go ahead and get into the trades. Uh, the big one was that you know, the Pirates traded Rich Hill and G-Man Choi to the Padres for Alfonso Rivas, first baseman, um, a pitcher Jackson Wolf, and a outfielder Estuar Suar Suro. Um, I probably butchered that, but uh, so I already um, Wolf has already gotten one start for the Pirates. Let me see if I can find it here real quick. Yeah, Jackson Wolf uh, in his first start. Um, he pitched 4.2 innings, only two hits, uh, only one earned run, one walk, and five strikeouts. Uh, this guy, he's a soft throwing uh, pitcher. He's not. He doesn't have a, a power fastball. He's not throwing 95 to 100. Um, it's staying in the 88 to 92 range, I believe, is what I saw. Um, but he's got really good stuff uh, from what I've read. He's got you know really good slider, curveball, you know, changes that stuff like that. And uh, he makes it work, man. Picture a uh, very young Rich Hill, maybe, in the making. Which, hey, if you get a young Rich Hill, then that's that's not bad um, for what you gave up. Uh, so you know, I don't, I don't think this is. It wasn't a big trade by any means about what we gained. Um, but I mean, as far as Jackson Wolf goes, he could be an effective pitcher for the Pirates. Now the Estuar Suro. He's an interesting prospect. He's kind of like your lottery ticket, like the Santana trade Severino. This is what I saw somebody post about Ciro. Ciro is one of the higher variance prospects in this system. A lanky center fielder who stands out immediately as the Padres' complex group gets off the bus because of his size. Two aspects of Ciro's uh, prospectum has changed significantly since fall instructional league. First, he has already started to fill out and become quite strong for a hitter his age. He is very skinny last fall as the pro scouting community became more familiar with him, but he's now considerably stronger. Second, Ciro's feel for center field is quite good. He eats up a ton of ground in the outfield thanks to his gargantuan strides, and he actually has a chance to stay out there depending on just how big he gets. Ciro has hit tool risk. His front side stays very high through contact, and his levers are long. So he's vulnerable in a, different, in a few different ways. But this is also a long-levered, 17-year-old switch hitter, and to expect him to have feel for his body and swing to stage is unreasonable. Ciro is probably going to be a slow-development prospect, but he has enormous upside as a switch-hitting center fielder with power. So, sounds pretty good. I mean, you know, when I saw the trade, I was kind of like, who? Who the hell is this kid? Uh, and But again, just like the Santana trade, it's another lottery ticket, but they also got Wolf in this trade, so it's it's kind of one of those things where it's like okay you know you have a lottery ticket and then you got a kid that could possibly help you down the road, um, but uh, like I said, but uh, Alfonso Rivas is nothing more than just you know a guy that either can fill in for now uh, since you got rid of two first basemen, um, you'll group him they'll, they'll platoon him with uh, Connor Joe, um, but. You know, like I said, for, for you're giving up Rich Hill and G-Man Choi. Now, don't be mind. I really like G-Man Choi. He was doing, starting to do really good since coming off injury. Uh, you know, I kind of wanted to see them keep him around. Uh, he's the kind of guy I I wouldn't mind. I know people talk about bringing Santana back, and I get it. I like Santana too. He's a great first baseman, a great leader. Um, but man, I tell you what, G-Man Choi, I, I liked him too. I would not object to them bringing him back either um because I, I really liked g-man Choi and what he brought to the table and he was he's younger than than santana 
But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I didn't expect them to, and nobody should really expect them to land anything big um, in that trade. Uh, but I, but from what I read, I, 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 I do like the trade. I, I do think Jacksonville could be, uh, someone that helps him down the road. And this sewer kid, it kind of reminds me of a young O'Neill Cruz going to be a big dude. Uh, probably a power hitting guy. I mean, the sky's the limit with this kid. Sounds like possibly, uh, depending on what he, uh, his development and everything. So I like the trade. Um, another trade the Pirates made, this kind of, I, I, how do I put this? It kind of surprised me and it kind of didn't because here's why. I had said they had, you know, this, this plug up the middle, right? Um, tons of middle infielders. Uh, and, and I thought they could trade one of them. Um, and uh, they actually did. I just didn't think it'd be Castro. Uh, but you could definitely tell that, that he had fallen out of favor with them. Uh they hardly used him at all. Um, he was supposed to do really well against left-handed pitching, batting from the right side, and then he'd get put in games to, uh, when he got a chance, and he still struggled. So they had no choice. They sent him down, and uh, he just, I don't know, he just couldn't get it together. He, he was on fire in April, uh, and then I don't know what happened. It, but then he just, I think defensively he was a liability uh, more than you want him to be. And I think they got tired of it. I think at first they put up with it because of the bat. But then when he started to falter uh, offensively as well, to the point where they're hardly playing him at all, that's when they were just like, all right, like, you know, some some guys just don't put it together for you. And I think that's where they were at with Castro. But I also feel bad for the kid because, I mean, my guy got brought up uh, from double A. He didn't get a chance to go to triple A and continue to develop down there before he got brought up to the show two years back. So, in a way, I feel bad for the kid, too. Um, I don't... I don't know. It, I, I was surprised it was Castro. I thought it could be, end up being Bay, uh, but Bay's hurt, and, you know, he's he's now... He's also... I forgot to even bring up the fact that Bay is now um, on his rehab assignment. I forget if it's AAA or AA, though, where he's at right now. But, uh, but yeah. So, I, I don't know. For some reason, I was just surprised to see it be, to see it be uh, Castro. Um, I don't know. just didn't see it coming with him. Um, and the last but not least, and, and finally, I, I mean, look, Ben Charrington made the comment that Henry Davis is going to play more uh, after the trade deadline. So automatically, you're like, all right, Austin Hedges, you are gone. And yep, sure enough, uh, trade to the Rangers. And it, and I I talked to Gary Morgan about this on Twitter, and I said, I, you know, I'd like to see them get some international bonus pool uh, money uh, for him. Like, and because um, I've seen the Pirates do this before, where they'll, where they'll add, especially Ben Charrington, they'll add a guy, a veteran guy, and they'll trade him away to get that international uh, bonus pool. Now, you might think, some of you, I don't know, you know, I don't know how much you know when it comes to this kind of stuff, but you might think that's really stupid, but it's actually awesome, because Ben Charrington, what makes him different from Neil Huntington when it comes to international uh, bonus pool money is... So Neil Huntington, he was more of the uh, quantity over quality. Like he would take, if you say he had a bonus pool of, I don't know, just I'm just trying to pick a random number, say $10 million, right? He would try to see how many players he could get jammed in that with that $10 million, uh bonus space. See, Ben Charrington is not like that. Ben Charrington will try to get the top international prospect and give him like eight 
or nine of that 10 million, say, to get him to come to the Pirates, to sign with the Pirates. And that's the difference between Neil Huntington and Ben Charrington. And that's why the I'm trying to remember the outfielder they had. Oh, I can't remember his name. But uh, they traded him to the White Sox. And I remember they got international pool money for him. And they used it to sign a top international prospect. I can't remember if it was... Uh, I'm trying to remember if it was Blanco or the Australian kid. I can't remember, but I, I just I remember them using that money to uh, nail one of these top prospects, uh, international prospects. So this stuff is important. Like so, to to get this for Austin Hedges, it might not seem like much because it's not a prospect, but you need to think of it as a future prospect. Kind of like when they say player to be named later in a trade, think of it that way. Think of it as okay. I'm not getting nothing right now, but down the road, I'm going to be allowed to use this space, this international uh, bonus pool space, to grab a top international player. And I know that's exactly what they're, probably, they're going to do with it. So I was, I'm actually pretty stoked to, to see they were able to do that. Um, all right, moving on. So speaking of prospects, I, I thought this was it's, – it's awesome. You know, It's one thing we see at one a site say this. But when you see another site say it, that's when you really start to take notice. So uh, another site, the Game Day MLB, um, has now also picked the Pirates to have the number one farm system uh, in the league. Uh, I thought that was awesome to get a, a second uh, uh, baseball site to say that. Uh, and and I, like, I, like I told you guys last podcast, I I completely agree with it. I mean, I... I, you look at all these players they, they've either acquired or, or drafted. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it was kind of weird because, like, there were players, I want to say last year or two years ago going into last year, that were struggling. They kind of had a setback. And I saw that's when the Pirates started to drift back a little bit uh, in the rankings. But then it seems like this season a lot of them have picked up a lot more. And now you're seeing how that's, now that system's up to number one. Um, rounding out the top 10 uh, farm systems is Pirates number one, Cubs number two, the Red Sox are three, uh, Washington Nationals are number four, Cleveland Guardians are five, Los Angeles Dodgers number six, guys. Jesus, like, I, I just, unreal. Just an absolute juggernaut on with the money they have and then the system. I, I just, wow. Number seven, Baltimore Orioles. Eight is Texas Rangers, which is wow because they're they're winning right now as we speak, and they got a, and then they're getting a top ranked system to go behind it, so pretty good. Uh, Tampa Bay Rays, I'm not surprised. It's Tampa Bay Rays at nine, uh, and the Arizona Diamondbacks at ten, which is really good because they're winning or they were at least, and so that's pretty good for them. So I thought it'd be interesting what I also saw. So the worst ten MLB farm systems, and this is per the game day MLB, right? So I'm going to start at 10. Number 10, Cincinnati Reds, which as a Pirate fan, that makes me happy. Uh, 9, Toronto Blue Jays. Kind of weird that BC left, uh, and um, now their system's kind of not doing as well. Uh, Number 8, the A's, Oakland A's, which is really bad for them since they're already at the bottom of the barrel and wins anyways. Uh, number seven, Seattle Mariners, another one. That's not good. Number six, this shouldn't surprise you, the New York Yankees. As we know, the Yankees, most of the time, they buy their lineups. They don't really always have a lot of top prospects in their system. Uh, so I'm not surprised by this. 
Uh, I was surprised this a little bit. Um, number five, Atlanta Braves, the fifth worst farm system. They were a team that I mean, you know, they've signed a shit ton of their of their players now, their young players now to long contracts. So I'm guessing that maybe that's why you know all these top guys when they had a top farm system have already moved up and have been signed long term, and that's why they're doing so well. So maybe that's that's why they're they're ranked so bad. I still thought that they're one of the kind of like the Dodgers where they have money. But they're really good at having a good farm system, too. Um, but it was, I was just kind of surprised to see that. Number four, the Miami Marlins. Uh, another one. I was just like, huh, all right. I thought they may have you know, a decent farm system, but they're ranked fourth. Um, uh, number three, Kansas City Royals. Man, that's bad. When you're as bad as they've been, and on top of that, you have a top three bad farm system, I, ouch. Like, that's not good. Um and I just, I don't know. Number two is the Los Angeles Angels. And I mean, I, man, that's rough. I, I just, you've got Mike Trout. You've got Shohei Tani. You've got, you know, I just don't understand why this team, you're, they've spent millions on Trout and Otani. And I just don't understand why they can't put together an okay farm system to filter in there to help those guys win ball games. I, you know, whether it be the, I don't know if it's the coaching staff or whether it be just the whole system from the top down, just very interesting to me to, to see that. I, I just, I feel bad. Like, like that team, you, you've seen a couple of the teams they've put together and you're just like, man, why can't this team ever win? Well, I mean, if you don't, if you don't got any good uh, players in the system getting called up or they do, they just fizzle out. Uh, number one, the Houston Astros. Um, I am kind of surprised by this too. Uh, I, the Houston Astros, it's, I don't really, I don't really peg them as a team that buys their team as much. I, I've always thought that that they're kind of a team that does build through their system. Um, they are willing to spend money, but I, they're not, you know, they're not the Dodgers. They're not like them. So you know, I, I was surprised that they got they got called the had the worst farm system in the league. So I was just kind of taken back by that a little bit and surprised. All right, guys. Uh, last thing I'm going to do is go ahead and do a little pregame. Game starts here in about 45 minutes anyways, but whatever. Um, so tonight, the Pirates play at 7.05 PNC. It's going to be... Uh, Oswaldo Bito is going to be taking on Spencer Strider. That's correct. Uh, this should be... You should guys should know how good he is. 22 games, he's 12-3. and three. 361 ERA, 129.2 innings pitched, and 208 strikeouts, and a 1.09 whip. Yeah, Spencer Strider is basically the top pitcher in the league. Um, I think he broke his own record I saw the other day, uh, uh, quickest to getting to 200 strikeouts in a season. He broke his own record. <laughs> uh, that's that's pretty good. Um, in his last seven games, he's 4-1 with a 3 ERA. Um, 45 innings. Only 15 on runs, 72 strikeouts, and a .98 whip. Yeah, doing really good. Um, Trying to remember, is he a... Yeah, he's a righty. Uh, so like I say, I'm taking off Oswaldo Bito. Um, Oswaldo Bito, as we know, he, you know, when he got called up, nobody had high expectations of this kid, but he really surprised me with some of the stuff he has. He has really good stuff. His two-seamer is, is, is disgusting. Um, but he has, you know, off and on had his struggles. Uh, nine games, he's two and two, a 5.18 ERA, 33 innings pitched, 31 Ks, and a 1.52 WHIP. 
Um, in his last seven games, his ERA is a, a five eight seven. He's got a two and one record in his last seven games. Um, in twenty three innings pitched, he's given up fifteen earned runs, eighteen uh, Ks, nine walks, and a one five seven WHIP. So yeah, a little bit of control issue, a little bit. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that he can. Uh, I'm hoping that he can. He can have a decent game tonight. At least maybe go five. It seems like lately they've been given. There hasn't been going as many innings. It seems like the uh, if I'm looking at this correct, three three and two point two. Yeah, they, they haven't been really giving him a chance to really go further than three or four innings. It looks like in a while. Um, so I don't know what they're going to do. I don't, I don't think they're going. I don't think they're going to turn to a bullpen game or long relief game. I don't know. Um, it's against the Braves though, so this isn't going to be easy. So they're going to need uh, their best from him. As far as lineups go, I mean, I fully expect Andy to catch. Um, Besides that, I mean they're going up against a righty, so you think that Revis will get the will get the start at first. Uh, as far as second goes, maybe Pagaro, short, Alika Williams, Hayes at third. You'll have Reynolds. Yeah, I mean they're facing a righty. So yeah, Reynolds, Sawinski, and uh Palacios maybe in right? I don't know. I'm not, oh no, Henry Davis probably. I'm sorry, Henry Davis. But I think that's basically what you'll see from the lineup. Uh, this could get ugly quick. Um, <laughs> I could, I could easily see Strider throwing like 15 Ks uh, against this lineup because it seems like this team strikes out a hell of a lot, um, and that's what he does, man. So I, it's, it's going to be a rough game. Uh, I, I don't think the Pirates are going to do well. I think you're going to see a game similar to the first Milwaukee game. I hate to say that. I hate to say they're going to get the shit beat out of them like 14-1 again, but I could easily see it happening. For as good Strider is, the batting lineup's just as good. So, uh, I, you know, I don't... I mean, you think about uh, Acuna, Albies, Riley, Olsen, Murphy, Ozuna, Rosario, Arkea, and Harris. I mean, good luck. Uh, you got a Kuna bat in three forty three right now, and then everybody else, with the exception of one guy, is batting or two guys are batting below two fifty. That's it. The rest are batting two fifty or better, and producing in the twenties in home runs this season. Yeah, one, two, three, four, five guys in this lineup have over twenty home runs already. So, yeah, good luck to. Uh, Beto and the pitching uh, tonight, the bullpen, they're going to have their hands full. But all right, guys, that's all I got for now. Uh, if you're if you're enjoying the uh, podcast, I know I haven't been doing as many lately. Um, I'm sorry for that, but I've been really busy. Uh, but if you're enjoying it, you know, hit the subscribe button or follow button. I really appreciate it. Um, don't forget, I'm also on Steelers Sanctuary Podcast with David Barrow, SteelersSanctuary.com. We just did a uh, training camp uh, podcast over the weekend with Ron Lippick from Steelers Takeaways. And then we did an interview with LaVon Kirkland, uh, the famous uh, middle linebacker from the Steelers of the 90s. Um, So if you get a chance, give those a listen. I appreciate it, guys. Take care. I'm out.